0: and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Impact Show. I am your friendly neighborhood talent strategy manager, Dr. Jim. And today we're going to learn why feedback can't be a point in time event. It's got to be something that's embedded in all areas of your organization. And the person who is going to take us through the importance of that lesson is joining us today. He's a talent development leader focused on the enablement of staff to reach their full potential. He partners collaboratively with various subject matter experts, leaders, and other colleagues to design, develop, implement, evaluate, and involve the learning experience, as well as the development, engagement, and retention of staff. He started his career in engineering, migrated over to HR, and now is designing and implementing development programs at the enterprise level. And if that wasn't enough, he has recently been awarded the 2022 Gold Stevie Award for L&D Professional of the Year, the 2023 Bronze Stevie Award for L&D Professional, and has been accepted as an advisory board member to the University of Colorado's Lead School of Business Customer Experience Certification Program. Eric Kaufman, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Dr. Drim, nice to be here.
0: I think we're gonna cover a lot of ground. What did I miss in the intro that you feel is important for the listeners to know about you?
1: I think it's important to understand that one of the key takeaways that I pride myself on in in my role over the last five, 10 years is connecting with all audiences, all levels of an organization. And so that's gonna be a key theme here in our discussion today
0: why is it important to engage at all levels of the organization whenever you're trying to be effective in building high performance teams
1: i think at the crux of it it's building trust and having that candid openness and the connections with all levels of the organization helps to build out not just the relationships it helps to build out being able to connect being able to get buy-in from all of the staff members to be able to support me in in the work that I do. The things that I do at at any organization, they require this subject matter expert. They require partnerships of the boots on the ground, all our staff, but they also require that leadership drive. And so being able to connect up and down throughout the organization is so important. And without that, I don't think I'd be successful in what I do.
0: Great point, Eric, and I appreciate you sharing that. Now, I want to get the listeners really dialed into your perspective and background. First things first, when you look at your current role, share with us a little bit about the company, but most importantly, tell us a little bit about what you're most proud of in your current role.
1: I work for Anthesis Group, who is a compilation of the largest dedicated group of professionals globally for sustainability. And, uh, it's just such a great platform to be on right now. There's a lot of exciting things happening. So when I look back at the two and a half plus years that I've been in at Anthesis, I think my proudest achievement, it's really being able to pull the data out so that I can create useful and actionable balanced scorecards and KPI dashboards. So I, that's something I, I recently did back in January of this year. So it's taking leadership engagement to the next level. And for me personally, this was a meaningful juncture in my personal career with regards to the use of data to drive decisions.
0: So building a data-driven organization in terms of the quality of decision-making is important. So when you take that and you think about what's down the road for you in the next year or two, what does shooting the moon look like for you in terms of the things that you want to impact and accomplish in the organization?
1: Sure. I think there's definitely going to be some aspects of being data-driven in this in my answer here, but it's not entirely data-driven. I would say my moonshot for next year is I'd love to see a holistic approach to leadership development blended with team performance management. So what I'm referring to is implementing 360-degree feedback programs that move initial results to real actions from our leaders, and then pairing that with a global mentorship or coaching program to enable that full potential of our staff.
0: I really like the answer that you said there because it it points to one of the gaps that we've heard from other senior people leaders across a number of organizations is that, hey, we have all of this data, we can build sort of models of what we need to do, but then how do we bring that to life and make it real and make progress towards the goals that we're achieving? So I like that integration of both, not only understanding what is going on, but how do you impact it going forward? When you think about your current role at Anthesis, what's the most fun aspect of the role?
1: This is an easy answer. It has to be Working with all these amazing, smart, and talented colleagues on some very interesting talent development projects. To me, it's just so exciting to get to partner with them and share their stories and then ultimately receive the feedback from them.
0: You're working in a really, it sounds like mission driven organization, and you have a great pool of peers and talent that are highly capable. So when you think about building a high performance team and you look through your career at all the things that you've experienced, What's that game-changing realization that really unlocked your ability and your understanding of how you build high-performance teams?
1: You really can't have high-performing teams without building trust. And one of the easiest ways that I've found to build trust and throughout various roles that I've held is one, to be transparent, and two, is to continuously, ongoing ask for feedback and use that in everything that we do. I feel this is so important because when you're thinking about how to develop a high-performing team and you're trying to prioritize what you work on you have to be able to trust each other to be honest and open and tell each other what's working versus what's not working and that's where the feedback loop comes into play i've seen this play out in literally everything that i do from anywhere from employee engagement surveys to post training surveys to developing a new career journey framework it all starts with having the trust And continuously asking for the feedback. And from what I see in it, it gets the employees to feel like they're already bought in because they're the ones that are helping you get to the answer.
0: There's a lot of different directions that we can go with that conversation, but I'm gonna pull on two of the major threads that you just hinted at. One was trust, and the other one was ongoing communication as a habit that you build. I'd like you to tie that together in the context of. Where many people in organizations struggle with that feedback culture, the communication culture, why is the concept of on-demand feedback, repetition, why is that important?
1: Let's go back to 2013 to to answer that question. So Harvard Business Review put some research, and what they found was that the best way to drive a high-performing team was to build trust through feedback mechanisms. And specifically, it was a five-to-one ratio. And what I mean by five to one ratio is they found that the highest performing teams were giving five positive feedback items for every one constructive or negative feedback item an area of improvement. And that's really important to, to note that the five, so you, you should be always giving thanks and, say, and sharing what somebody did well, and that gets a little bit of brain science here, but it gets the dopamine flowing in the brain. That's where you want to repeat those great actions. On the flip side, that one in the ratio is so important though, because without that, you're not going to continuously improve. When I built the feedback mechanism and the feedback framework at this company, we're really like harness that five to one ratio so that we can continuously improve while also building the trust through the positive feedback.
0: The five to one framework, I really like that. It actually expands on some of the things that I even learned when I was coming up because we were taught. Use the compliment sandwich. Whenever you want to improve a behavior, you got to point out two things on the front end and back end that actually are being performed well, and then put the area of improvement in the middle so that it's not so jarring for the person that's listening. Why is that framework particularly useful for those leaders who are new in the role?
1: There's a lot to dig into on that that question there, Dr. Jim. Let's start with the compliment sandwiches. I just want to start with that for a second, because um, there's actually studies out there that say a compliment sandwich does not work. And the reason is because if, again, if you're trying to drive high-performing teams and build trust, a compliment sandwich, typically in the brain, they're going to remember the last thing they hear. And so if the last thing that they hear is something positive, they're the dopamine reacts, and they're going to repeat the positive thing and forget what the constructive thing that was smushed in the middle. Um, so that's not what we've implemented here. We've actually implement, implemented very supportive and adapting on the AID model, A-I-D, which stands for the discuss what the action um, that, that they took. So what, what was causing the need for that feedback? Then the I is, what was the impact that feedback has caused? Ultimately going to the D, which is the desired outcome or a desired change in behavior. And so we the, one of the other thing that's great with that model of feedback is that it removes bias at least as best as you can there's, there's always going to be some opinion and feedback um, but when we use that aid model it's really going to help to remove the feedback remove the or sorry remove the the bias remove the opinion focus on the facts and then give meaningful feedback and meaningful coaching next steps as part of that last part of the aid model and now from The new leader, a new manager perspective, that five to one ratio obviously comes into play quite substantially. And the way that I perceive this, and I think my view is that the five, again, the positive side of that feedback is so important for someone new to a leadership position or new to a manager, line level management position, because maybe have not yet built the trust with their team members. They're coming in, they're just this new person jumping into the scene, trying to potentially shake things up or depending on, on how they, they view it, but they've got to give the positive feedback, build the trust first, while also layering in some of that uh, constructive feedback, finding new ways to do things, improving the areas that are priority to them and to the business. And I think maybe one last piece that I'll add to this is in alignment with the five to one ratio, but more generally speaking, it's related to just the way that we deliver feedback as managers. And it's one thing to be very open and candid, but you might not be able to get there yet if you haven't built the trust yet. So it might be a, one of those slow progressions where you start off giving the more positive feedback, building the relationship, and then any constructive feedback that you give is extremely factual. You showcase exactly some examples of what someone had done in a project or a deliverable, maybe it's behavior and communication styles, and then ultimately... As the relationship grows and the trust builds, that's when you start to be able to give more constructive feedback.
0: I I really like the point that you're making about creating space for the constructive conversation. You can't just drop those things on people. So I think it's important, especially when you talk about the aid model and the five to one uh, model or framework that you described, it actually helps you lay the foundation effectively to have that constructive conversation. Now, there might be some folks that are listening to this and thinking, okay, this sounds great. They might be sitting and thinking this would have to mean that this is more optimized for in-person environments or on-site environments. How would you respond to that assumption or critique?
1: My gut reaction is that nothing's impossible, especially with the technology that we have at our fingertips these days. And so my first piece of advice to this remote-centric type of approach to feedback and building trust is use the technology that you have available at your business. And if you don't have enough or the best technology available, build a business case. There's so many things out there. Just do a quick search on the internet and you'll be able to find uh, a plethora of, of options to help drive feedback culture, to help drive and build trust, but ultimately making things more efficient for you and for the broader team. So taking that now forward, when I think about The fact that I I have been in a remote centric organization for two and a half years, it's I find that it's really important to build automations as best as you can. And the way that we've been doing this now is through one of our platforms. It's Microsoft Platform. And we use Power Automate. So when you think about this feedback loop, we we drive feedback into the culture literally from day one. And part of that is all entirely automated through the this thing called power automate flow. So all new joiners get five surveys throughout their first three or four months, entirely automated. Survey responses are also automated. And then the, the collation of all of that is organized and reported on a quarterly basis, helping us to continuously improve.
0: Wow. It's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact Community, where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you, this is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community, get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR And now back to the show. I like how you've operationalized feedback and embedded that throughout the entire employee lifecycle. I think that's really important. One of the things that I would imagine would turn off employees is if you're in this feedback culture, this communication culture, but there's no action behind it. So what are the things that you've done from an L&D perspective and from just an advocacy perspective to make sure that this data and all of this feedback that you're getting is actioned into something meaningful?
1: On the organization-wide approach, um, I partner with my HR colleagues. We, we call it P&D or people in development. It's a, a combined team of HR and learning and development. And most recently was late last year, we had our employee engagement survey. And to your point of, well, how do you gather the feedback and then ultimately take the action upon the feedback? Well, the engagement survey, I did the assessment analysis, partnered with my HR colleagues and, and some of the leadership team driving down into the weeds of what are our staff really saying? What are they asking for? What are they concerned about? And ultimately we made changes. So that's the action that we had. And and it's important to communicate those changes at the organization levels Because of you saying this, we heard you say, now we did. And so that's one of those organization-wide feedback loops, taking the action. From an individual program lens, every single program I push out, I I always have post program surveys. And one of the most recent ones that we're doing is actually partnering with a third party training provider. And the feedback survey includes the thoughts on the instructor and the vendor, as well as the content in the program, as well as the outcomes. Are we achieving the objectives that they expected? And we just finished that program three weeks ago, and we're going to build another cohort here in a few weeks using the feedback that we receive from the first cohort in order to move that forward.
0: One of the things that I was thinking about when you were giving your answer, a lot of what you're talking about can come across as being delivered from an organization that has a pretty mature tech stack. So I wanna break this down a little bit differently and get your input on if there's an organization that isn't as mature from a tech stack perspective, what are the things that they should be doing to embed that feedback culture as a mechanism to build a high trust organization?
1: That's actually a pretty tough question. And, and I think the reason that I'm thinking that is because my current company, I, I don't actually perceive us to have that mature of a tech stack. We're, we're moving in the right direction and we're consolidating things, but right now it's very, very sporadic and tons of different systems that don't necessarily talk to each other, but we do have systems. And so if you're at an organization that is not as uh, privileged to have these types of systems in place or a tech stack, I think one of the most important pieces to drive that feedback culture is open communication and having your line leaders or line managers continuously have the check-ins. And there's some models in place when it comes to performance evaluations where it, it can absolutely not be a once a year activity. And I, I think this is pretty common knowledge these days, but how do you formalize that? And how do you take it to the next level where we're not just waiting until the end of the year to do a performance review? And that's where these check-ins come into play. And so one of the things that we're, we we actually have done now without technology, I will say that we, we plan to digitize this very soon. But one of the things that we're doing now is these micro check-ins or maybe that's not the right word, but check-ins on more of a monthly or bi-monthly basis where you're still documenting performance but very informally it has to be documented though for various reasons but then it, ma- it makes it easy for the line manager to come back to a conversation later and say remember a couple of months ago we talked about your performance related to x let's talk about how you're doing since then and where you can continue to improve if you don't have the technology you have to keep ongoing conversations uh, as often and frequent as possible in order to just you know keep the flow of information going and keep that The building of trust, again, by being transparent, open, and candid.
0: Really great conversation so far, Eric. And and before we wind things down, I want to get a little clarity on a couple of things. Um, I'd like to get your input or line of sight into where can all of this feedback and trust building go wrong? And when we're thinking about putting this into place, how do we do it? What are the principles that we need to keep aware of or frameworks that we need to be aware of? that we can take the these concepts that we've talked about and put it into action.
1: The first question about what pitfalls or what do we need to be aware of and make sure we, we're in control of an initiative like a building a feedback culture. Uh, I think there's four key themes around that. So my first is saying, make sure that whatever we develop, whatever we put forward is minimally burdensome. In other words, it shouldn't take people a lot of time. It should not require this massive procedure guide to follow through and and complete the task. So minimally burdensome. The next is timely. And when I say timely, it's actually dual fold here. So timely in the sense that you're putting the initiative and you're getting this, you're getting some momentum going at the right point in time for the business ongoing, as the business is going, making sure you're not overlapping with too many other initiatives. And timely to the point of when the employee can actually take the action related to the initiative. So for the feedback culture, we ask our team members to ask for feedback amongst their colleagues at a minimum every, like every month to two months, but that's a minimum, again, not necessarily best practice, but we put some guardrails in place and some recommendations so that they can follow along in the guidance, but also they have that autonomy to make their own discretionary decision on when they can ask for feedback. Maybe the third piece here is when you're building something around feedback culture, any program that. You want to make sure you don't fall into the uh, potential hole here is making things automated. So I I touched on Power Automate earlier, which is a tool that I use for asking for feedback, and that has been such an amazing piece to the puzzle here. Where it's something that it's hands off, does what I need to do, and it communicates to other people on my behalf, and it, it actually looks like it comes from me. So that I've been getting. Lots of the the feedback that comes through is related to this automated process. The last piece that I, I think is important for any program, especially with feedback, is making sure your, your program is inclusive. So um, the way that I built our feedback culture here right from the get-go was including a diverse set of representatives from the organization. That's varying role levels, varying gender, varying backgrounds to help build and test whether the model works. Once that focus group and I have come to our, we'll call it the, the initial draft or final draft, whichever you want to word it. Then we actually do a pilot with a small group of boots on the ground staff. And that's where um, we get additional feedback and we come full circle with the the closing out that initiative pre-launch. And the last thing that I'll add, which is so important, especially at growth organizations is initiative overload. And so when you think about having a feedback culture at an organization that's growing rapidly. You have to really control how many initiatives are being put out, but understanding when your, when your workforce is feeling overwhelmed. And so if you have this great feedback culture, which I feel we are well on our way here at this company, you're gonna hear that. And so we have heard that recently, not too long ago, that people are feeling overwhelmed with too many things on their plate from a client workload, as well as an internal initiative workload. And that's where you have to be able to flex and be agile with, with the initiatives that you're putting out.
0: Eric, really great conversation. The stuff that you're talking about really doesn't lend itself to a 30 minute conversation. It probably should be a 90 minute conversation, but we got actual jobs to do and things like that. I'd like you to take all of the stuff that we've talked about and distill out the two or three main things that listeners need to pay attention to when they're trying to build an embedded feedback culture.
1: Number one, don't do too much. And actually, there's a phrase I like to use. I'm sure everyone has heard this phrase before, progress over perfection. And so even with a feedback culture, if you can just get one part of that moving forward, it's going to start to build uh, the trust and the transparency right away so you can uh, be on your way towards that feedback culture. And then number two, I would say is use the technology that you have at your fingertips and if you are limited in that capacity, make sure that the conversations and the communication between staff, leaders, man- managers and staff, as well as leadership team is constantly going, ongoing and never stops.
0: Where can people find you if they want to continue the conversation?
1: The best place to find me is through LinkedIn. I might be one of the only Eric Kaufman spelled this way, so it should be easy to find me.
0: Thanks for hanging out uh, and spending some time with us. Uh, when I think about the conversation that we had. There's a few things that stood out to me that I think it's worth repeating. I think one of the things that I found really valuable about the conversation was how you talked about setting the tone early in terms of building that feedback culture. So when you think about your employee life cycle, you have to embed that feedback culture across all stages of it and be collecting the information that's valuable and actionable. And and more importantly, putting that into play once you gather that info. The other thing that stood out was your point about automating what you can and as much as you can. And I think that's important because if you're trying to build a high trust, high feedback culture, there's only so many hours in the day and you want to make sure that you're turnkeying as many of the things as possible when it comes to getting the messaging out and doing some of the grunt work. And in keeping in line with that grunt work comment, the last thing that I think is important that you called out was that you can't forget some of the basics that need to be done. You can have all of the technology and all the feedback mechanisms in place, but if you're not being disciplined around consistency of engagement, consistency of conversation, you're never going to move the needle in terms of getting actionable results or getting meaningful results. So really great stuff. I appreciate you sharing that with our audience, Eric. Thanks for listening. Uh, If you like this conversation, leave us a review. Tune in next time where we'll bring in another leader to give us their game-changing realizations that help them build a high-performing team. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co/hrimpact.